Crips. Hey you. Do you like the Tales from the Crypt series? Do you like spooky things in general? Then check out the Good Evening Kitties podcast. That's Good Evening Kitties podcast. G-O-O-D-E-V-E-N-I-N-G-K-I-D-D-I-E-S podcast. Each week, I'll review a new episode from the TV series, The Tales from the Crypt. Find me on Podbay, Podbean, or iTunes. That's the Good Evening Kitties podcast. Check it out today. So, Joe, the McRib's back. I mean, do you really want to ring out the McRib at this point? I do. I do. I really do. It's like, for God's sake, it's the McFucking Rib. I had a McRib on the way over here. I'm probably going to have one on the way back. Holy shit, dude. Really? (laughs) I mean, because fuck losing weight. You can run, but you can't hide, bitch. I had to play your theme song before I play the actual theme song. Nice. Because let's be honest, you know, Scary Terry is Dan. I guess. Bitch. And if you believe that anyone can be a brand new love, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, and we are talking about Dead Sea. You can run, but you can't hide, bitch. Oh my god, Dead Sea, right? Yeah, dude. Dead Sea is one of my favorite bands, and I'm not even ashamed of saying that. I blame you that I know about Dead Sea. I wish I'd found them sooner. There was a time and a place where people thought Orgy was the shit, and Dan was over in the corner saying, listen to Dead Sea, and the world changed. Well, and they're two very different bands, too. I know, but that's kind of where it started. You you pop up with this band called Dead Sea, and you're like, listen to this. This is like everything that you like, only better. And I'm like, he was right. Yeah, I mean, you know... The way the band was first introduced to me is this girl in high school that I knew, but I still know. uh, She she goes, "Hey, check out this band, Dead Z. They're like Orgy, but they're like Orgy Junior." And I remember being like, "Well, I don't think they sound like Orgy. I mean, like superficially, maybe." There's a synthesizer in the band, right? And they, you know, they've got that one song, the key to Gramercy Park, which is like kind of heavy. It's it's pretty badass fucking song, I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, it is. It's actually arguably the most badass song on the record. And it kind of sets you up for an experience that you're not really gonna get. And uh, and I love that about Dead Z. So uh, it's you're the never... gigantic fake out at the start of the... Well, they're like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know quite what you're gonna get. And I love that, <laughs> to be honest with you. Dead Z is one of those bands that... You kind of have to try a couple of times. It's like a good beer, like a really good sour beer. You know, you're not going to like it the first time you listen to it. And I think that's okay. (laughs) I disagree. If you're listening to Commencement, you're definitely going to like it the first time you listen to it. Uh, You know, see, I didn't. Really? It did have to build build for me for a while because I thought, keep in mind, my expectation was for it to sound like Orgy. It didn't sound anything which like it the didn't, cover of Blue yeah, Monday. Yeah, which it did not. It didn't really sound like Orgy. It was not electronic. So, like, if you look at a band like Orgy, they're more like a futuristic sci-fi cyberpunk kind of band. And Dead Sea's like the kids that play on the D&D team at school. Schools have D&D teams, right? They do in my dreams. Okay, well, 
Orgy is the computer hacker at your school, and Deadsy is on the drama club. <laughs> uh, Deadsy is the more well-read, well-refined um, intellectual type that maybe is a little antisocial and thinks about weird things. Well, before we get too far into Deadsy, I'm going to take the time to say thank you to everyone for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can say to it, Alexa, play the latest episode of Discography Discussion, and she will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discography metal be sure to like favorite and subscribe it really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and dan is going to tell you all about five star reviews yeah we like five star reviews here at discography discussion we like reviews and feedback in general so if you've got something that you want to tell us tell us we're here you can leave us a review on itunes uh whatever you think that we are uh worth hopefully it's five stars if not let us know what we can do to get you to five stars Jeff's not here tonight, but, I mean, we could probably talk him into anything. We actually had a YouTube comment on the Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza episode 13. Wow, that's really going back. Well, wait until you hear who it's from. Uh, a person named Mason Danza says, good job on the discussion and speculations for that matter. Danzer 1 was recorded in my buddy's living room for a case of Coors Light as payment. Danza 2 could have been better, but the label informed us we had a deadline a month away to have an album recorded, so we wrote one real quick. The main writers and jokers left before Danza 3, so that caused the different sound and more serious tone. Enjoyed the show. Glad you fun with the music. I'm going to say he meant had fun, and fun was always the goal. I'm pretty sure... Oh, thank you, Mason Danza. That... I wonder if that's Mason Crooks. I, I'm 99% sure it for, is. We're going to have to talk to him at some point about yeah. everything that happened during uh, Danza 2, because I still need an explanation for the Louisiana Dive Bar Massacre. Yeah, we'll have to get him on at some point and... Uh and, and pick his brain about a few things about that record because I have so many questions. Seriously, though, thanks for listening, man. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's it's really cool. Um, number one, it's really cool to get comments from anybody anyway, whether you're in a band or not in a band. We, we like to talk, obviously, and so if you ever want to talk back to us, that's, that's fantastic. And it's always really cool when somebody from one of the bands that we've talked about is, is, uh, is listening as well. So, uh, you know, and I always like to, we always like to try to get them to come on the show right away afterwards because you, we want them to, you know, we want them to set us straight because a lot of the stuff that we say is, is, you know, kind of speculation. There's certain things. Speculation, hearsay, yeah, we what you might remember from 10 years ago. Right. We weren't there, you know, so we just kind of have to fill the blanks in as best we can. So we weren't there. We don't know. We want to know. We want to know. So anyway, so. Deadsy. Deadsy. I'm going to get this right out of the way first. Okay. They had multiple EPs, a couple singles. Their actual first record is self-titled and independently released, and it's called Deadsy. If you can find it, props to you, man. If you can find their 
EP, The Elements. Props to you, man. Good fucking luck. The rest of us, we have basically two records that we can get our hands on. Yeah, I started with Commencement, so... The first one was also independently released at one point, but was later re-released. By Korn. Really? Korn released the record? Yeah, Elementary Records. Oh, that is Korn's label, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, Or it was. I don't know if it's still a label or not now. What Commencement is in the way that you can buy it today? It is essentially a greatest hits of all their independent releases. Mixed in with some covers. And good God, I've mentioned it before and I'm going to say it again. Commencement is on my list of perfect records. You put in Commencement... You press play, an hour later, it's over. That's how you feel, (laughs) because it pulls you into the atmosphere, it pulls you into the tone, you forget that the songs that are covers you've already heard before. It's just amazing. I wish I could say more than that. Uh, The lead singer, lead vocal primary songwriter, depending on who you ask, is Elijah Blue. Elijah Blue Allman, which is, uh, you know, that's 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 important. Do you know who that is, Dan? Uh, well, Elijah Blue Allman is the child born with Cher, and uh, I don't remember which Allman brother it was. So if you listen really closely, it sounds like a detuned Cher in some places, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, I don't know if I hear that, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was Cher and Greg Allman. Okay. So yeah, there's there's music in the family and performance in the family. Very I, cool. I make that distinction. Yeah, very cool. It's kind of a weird connection because obviously this doesn't sound anything like Cher or the Allman Brothers. No, this sounds Elijah like... Elijah Blue is his own man. This sounds like California underground. This is this is weird music. and it, it's, um, it's poppy. It's atmospheric. It's heavy. So, like, with this record, you start off heavy with Key to Gramercy Park. And th- this was, like, this was the lead single uh, off of the record. I think Brand New Love also was released as a single, but... That's obviously um, a cover, but good when, God, yeah, it's a perfect you, cover. When you listen to the Key to Gramercy Park, you definitely... I could hear that orgy uh, comparison that, that seemed to be coming up all the time when that record came out. And it's really weird because, like, this was kind of thrown in, like, with the new metal crowd at the time. Like, it was kind of considered part of the same thing. Um, and I think most of it is just because of the strength of that first single. Um, because the key to Gramercy Park is a very guitar-heavy rock song. Uh, Jonathan Davis from Korn actually does guest vocals on that one. On that version. Yeah, good luck hearing him, though, because he doesn't... It's in there. He's very much in the background. Um so that song, you know, is hard and heavy and in your face or whatever. But then, like, you go right into Winners after that, and Winners is a slow build-up song. Um, and you're going to have to get used to that because Dead Z sometimes gets so slow that, yeah, I mean, I almost get kind of a doom metal vibe from it because it's still heavy. It's still got that, it's got that very fuzzy guitar tone. Uh, that goes on throughout, and it can get very droning at times, which I know sounds kind of boring, but uh, with Dead Sea, it's actually done pretty well. Um, It creates a pretty melancholy sound. And they pointed out, so I feel the need to point it out, they have two synth players in the band. One is actually a keyboardist 
who does the standard rock, you know, Correct. Depeche Mode style keyboard synth, but they also have a Z-tar player. And, yes. And the Z-tar is a specialized instrument. I don't remember who designed it, but it's a MIDI controller that is shaped like a guitar. And it is played like a guitar. And a lot of what you hear in the Dead Z tone of that very deep drone comes from the combination of Elijah Blue's guitar and the Z-tar. And it mixes together perfectly on this record and not so much on the next one. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really good here. Um, The drone is very, very much a large part of what I like about it. Um, it's definitely like a zone out album. It doesn't sound like a fake guitar, which a lot of synthesized guitar, heavy synthesized guitar sounds. Yeah, no, this didn't really. Th- this it, sounds like its own unique instrument, and it's I I've tried to recreate it a couple times. It's just it's so badass. Right, and you know Elijah Blue has this vocal delivery that's very subdued, um, very calm, but his pronunciation, his enunciation, and everything is very deliberate. And uh, and I think that's that really adds to the melancholy feel the rest of the music because to me this record does nothing but slow down all the way from the key to Gramercy Park really all the way up until she likes big words um, that and that then it kind of speeds up again and that's a cover too <laughs> yeah a lot of covers on this record and like I said this this record really is it's a greatest hits of all their independent releases mixed in with some covers. And, but you know the covers sound like they blend extremely well. That's where I was going with that. It it is a challenge to mix multiple different dates, right? Multiple different releases and make them sound like one cohesive product. As much as I've listened to this record, the only time I ever hear any deviation that's obvious is when I hear the newly recorded drums and some of the independent release drums. And that's just through repetition, you notice. But you could almost tell me... Are the drums me, actually real on this record? Yes, they are. Okay. There are synthesized use of percussion, okay. but they have an actual drummer. Yeah, I never really was listening for that uh, I know. Before. You, you, you don't, really. Yeah. It, it doesn't stand out right away. But yeah. it's one of those things after multiple re-listens, and I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've listened to Commencement. Every time I show somebody Commencement for the first time, it's like watching Saw with somebody that's never seen it and doesn't know the ending. You're waiting for them to get it. See, I don't know a lot of people that like this album. Oh, dude, everybody I've shown this to, and and it's it's not something that you can show to anybody. Not everybody's going to like it, but for people that actually like to sit and listen to records, this is one. Give it to them. It's like, guys, just sit down, turn it on, and let me know when you're done. Unfortunately, I can't really give you any more, <laughs> but it's like Adam Ship. It's perfect, and I love it. Right. Weren't they really focused on their image? They did that early 2000s, late 90s artistic thing where everybody in the band was a different color. Yeah, every... every and it represented every, a different element. And yeah, every band member was color-coded. And that shows... They all had their own unique symbols as well. Yeah, it was all about the art. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm sorry, you, you've got me on that too because, you know, Power Rangers fan. What can I right, say? Right, yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's very, very much true. I wonder what it would sound like if Deadsy sang the Power Rangers theme song. 
Oh man, I'm gonna spend some time thinking about that later. It'd be kind of weird though, right? Like, go go Power Rangers. I yeah, know, yeah, but yeah, but we'd listen to it. I still repeat. like it. Yeah, but uh, the sheer quantity of covers on here would put off a lot of people. But my whole thing with covers is, I like a cover when you didn't blatantly change something just for the sake of changing it. And I like it when it sounds like a song you should be playing. The oldest pop songs that we had in radio, they were all covers. Everybody was a cover of something that somebody else wrote. And a good example in the rock area would be Jimi Hendrix doing All on the Watchtower. That's Bob sure, Dylan. Yeah. So my favorite covers are cover songs that sound like that person should be playing it. Johnny Cash is an in- interesting exception with uh, Hurt. Uh, but my biggest example of, yep, that's the song that this guy should be playing is any time Marilyn Manson does Personal Jesus or Tainted Love. It's like, yes, you sound like a guy that should be playing Depeche Mode. Deadsy pulled off Tom Sawyer. Yeah, I mean... Good God! <laughs> I think a lot of these I think a lot of these covers, with maybe the exception of Tom Sawyer, though... I think for the for the target demographic that bought this record, they're the Rush fans. I would no, I would imagine that there were a lot of people that didn't know that a lot of the covers were covers. You think so? Yeah, because I think, uh, I mean, Tom Sawyer is obvious. You know, I think you're a big fan of "She Likes Big Words." She likes big words, and that's like uh, that's what "Flock of Seagulls." Uh, I believe is, so. Is yes. Um, I'll have to look that up later. But uh, every every song on here is good, man. Katy Gramercy Park. Brand new love, mansion world, the elements, flowing glower. Oh my god, talk about drone. Oh dude, flowing glower is like Where is Jeff? We need to talk about the atmosphere for yeah, a minute. This is this is pure fucking doom, is what this song is. Um See I told you this band was heavy. Yeah, I don't care what anybody says and how any if anybody wants to talk shit about Deadsy, this band has the droning doom metal thing down. To a T. I mean, like better than some doom bands. Slow, slow, crushing, monotonous, hopeless, and they slow down later into the song. Yeah, I mean, it just slows down. Like it's like eating breakfast. It's or it's like starting your day without eating breakfast. It's like it's like riding a bicycle with no air in the tires. I mean, you just even even uh, Elijah Blue sounds just like. If it was possible for him to sound more melancholy than he did before, it's perfect. And then it's funny because um, she likes big words, shows up like it almost sounds like the Reading Rainbow theme playing, and it's like suddenly wakes you the fuck up. Yeah, we're back to going top speed. And well, that might be the fastest well, song on the speed, record. Top speed for Deadsy. Right. But uh, yeah, you know, it's weird though, is like, she likes big words comes on and that's a really cool song and then right after that we go to cruella which is another slow droning doom type song talk Uh, about cruella for a second (laughs) because for those bands that like to be artistic so cruella is about (laughs) how many cruellas do you know this is about cruella deville from the 101 dalmatians what all you metalheads out there didn't know that well it is um the weirdest thing about that song to me is, you know, at some point in the song, you know, it's it's slow, it's 
kind of weird and then you start like really listening to the lyrics and it starts off how the story rolls magic's taught and history's told a glory hole which through gazed her eyes of gold wait wait what She's staring through a glory staring hole. Staring through a glory hole? I don't remember that from the movie. Don't fucking do the voice, for God's sake. Yeah, that's weird, right? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, the lyrics are fucking great, though. Like, um, <laughs> avid as she sows, Cruella grows, Horace and Jasper stole, so let the floor of the horror flow. That is just great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just weird, because it's like, Oh, holy shit, we're just we're literally just talking about 101 Dalmatians here. We're literally talking about Cruella DeVille wanting to make a coat out of puppies. But also, you know, a glory hole. You're going to get it in some point. I, I'm not going to be paying attention. <laughs> we'll get one in, Joe. A glory hole. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's never yeah, stopped the since way the first he, day. The way he says it, he's just like, oh, glory hole. <laughs> it's like... What? Black and Which white in hair, <laughs> elegantly gaunt in flame. I mean, I wonder if there's more to it than that, right? Like, I don't know what the textbook definition of glory hole is. I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to glorify Cluella DeVille as a person. It's almost like she's actually beautiful in these ways. It's just the ways that she's beautiful are horrific. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Commencement's on here. Yeah. Yeah, seagulls. Seagulls is great too. Um, he talks about Poseidon in that one. Can't beat that. That's actually one of my favorite songs because it's just so fucking evil sounding. And I'm gonna say, since I mentioned Depeche Mode, this record is not better if you're fucking stoned. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is. It's, it's not. It, I don't. I, yeah, I don't do that. But just, still, if I if I did, I feel like this might be better. Now, Phantasmagor, on the other hand. Which we're not there yet. I'm trying not to avoid it, but we're gonna have to. Well, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry I have to keep going about seagulls here. Keep going. But seagulls is fucking great. It is an evil sounding song, and uh, it's it's. I think I think it's one of the scarier songs on the CD. Tell me all about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Um, it starts off just very. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I it's, hard, it's hard to describe it. It's just, um, it's one of the more electronic sounding songs on the CD. Um, there's just a lot going on. The drums sound, um, very programmed. I would say it's almost the closest to industrial as we get on this. I'd go with that. As I, I have heard, excuse me, I have heard people describe this as industrial, but, um, really beyond this song, I don't really hear that. I hear, You've also made the distinction that just because it's electronic doesn't mean it's industrial. Right, yeah, because industrial, I typically, uh, spoilers, kids, because uh, next month, industrial December. Uh, but to me, industrial is more, you know, kind of like a... Um, Music played by robots. Sort of. Uh, like electronic music that sounds like maybe it was being made by machines, like having a very, um, having a very, like, rhythmic bass to it repeated loops like you would hear a machine in a man like you know like in an industrial plant you know i think that's literally where it comes from is just that that constant noise coming from the machines and them being in perfect rhythmic syncopation just because there's a drum machine doesn't mean it's industrial sorry i spent way too much time explaining that 
that's what you really don't hear on commencement. <laughs> no, it, it definitely sounds like human beings yeah, this playing is, electronic music. This is more of like a goth rock thing for me. Like, if you could call it that. It's like a... Or, or like, a, you know, like a Depeche Mode, but like really fucking depressing. I was about to say, yeah, you mentioned like, goth. Let's, let's, yeah, let's start yeah, there. So There's like, only one goth band. It's The Cure. Right. So, Everybody else is an imitator. So if you're into bands like that, Deadsy should totally be your bag. I think the I think the reason why commencement wasn't very well received had more to do with the fact that it was being marketed to your like limp biscuit and stained fans. Yeah, they were on Family Values, I remember. Right. It just seems very strange because they're not anything like those bands. Um, they're not new metal at all. They're not really even metal for the most part. Um, but they, uh, I feel like they have kind of that metal sensibility. Like I said, like that doom metal kind of kind of mindset and uh commencement came and went and it was their only album for years i mean like it was there's like a a four-year gap between commencement and their second album phantasmagore and i can tell you that i was extremely pumped up for phantasmagore because like joe said commencement in a lot of ways is it's a really important album for me and you know i would definitely would say that it is perfect for that type of music and uh, so, I mean, I was really, really into it. And so when Phantasmagore came out, I remember getting the CD and getting a little worried because the album length was like 40-something minutes, which is really weird to me. Now, 11 songs, 42 minutes, you do the math. It, they weren't long. They were not long songs. And Phantasmagore... Um, well, it retains the sound of Dead Z pretty well. It sounds more like the independent Dead Z. Maybe, yeah. It's like, not as well refined, but see previous statement about Commencement basically being a greatest hits. Right. So this album is, well, it's more rock focused, really. Like Razor Love comes in. Oh, God, Razor Love. Yeah, it's like, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Like, it's just... um. It's a little weird. Like, I think Elijah Blue sings better on this record than he did on Commencement because on Commencement he was extremely just like um, very subdued, very laid back. He's a little bit more aggressive on Phantasmagore. It's weird too because like I've noticed kind of more of a focus on like kind of chunky, groovy guitar riffs on this one. Like when I'm listening to when I'm listening to Dead Z, I'm not really thinking about the riffs, you know. I. <laughs> I would accuse this man specifically of wanting to be David Bowie. Possible. Uh, when you listen to Probable. the songs on Commencement, and if you get a chance to hear the independent, you can hear the laid back. Same thing that you kind of got from Space Oddity. Once David Bowie got his groove, it was very laid back. It was very subdued. But then Ziggy Stardust came out, and that's where The Rock appeared. If you've seen... Deadsy perform and YouTube is your friend. Family Values is your friend. If you have those old tapes, you can see he's laid back. He's he's the old mentality of I'm here to perform and you are here to consume and it's not in a bad way. But it's that same I'm approaching the music this way. Enjoy. Well, and in typical Deadsy fashion, you get about three songs in that are that are decent rock songs. I mean, they're not bad. 
But, like, if you're a huge commencement fan, this is going to be really frustrating for you. It will be for the first couple listens. Give it time. Um, That's all I have to say. Then you hit track four, which is, you guessed it, a cover. Um, And honestly, it might be the most covered song in rock and roll history. It's painted black. Um, And And it's good. It's all right. Um, It's just another cover of painted black. I personally prefer the Agony Scenes cover of that. Most metalheads do. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> that's just me. Um, but we do get um, we do get probably the first... There's a couple of songs on this record that harken back to the old Deadsy. And the first one is a song called Better Than You Know. And you can point it out because it's over five minutes long. Which is more in line with what we'd had on the previous record. And this still sounds like the new Deadsy. But... That commencement style slowness, the drone, a lot of it's back here. These sound like they could have been on commencement. This is pure deadsy, and I I can't I can't say anything bad about this song. This is my favorite the song on the record. Took me, but as a commencement fan, I'm already halfway done with the record before I get to a song like this. I have become a deadsy fan. I remember what it was like to be a commencement fan and then sit and listen to Phantasmagore and be upset that it just wasn't as thick. Right. It's not I'm upset. It's just taken aback, I guess, originally, you know? I mean, give me that Razor Love. Give me Carrying Over. It's it's that same atmosphere. It's just not as atmospheric. Better than you know. I mean... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Seagulls. Do you think I'm going to find it in a traveling show between the legs of a woman that I hardly know? It's like, yeah, I don't okay, know. we're back to... I don't know. Probably not, dude. I'm just saying. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I think I think this song just really harkens back. And um, to me, it's not long enough. <laughs> you know, I wish a song like this was like more like seven or eight minutes. But... Uh, yeah, so that song ends, and you're feeling pretty good about everything. And then the Book of Black Dreams starts, which is one of the fastest-paced Deadsy songs, I think, that exists. And uh, I actually really love this one, even though it's more in the style of the previous four songs. Um, for whatever reason, that hook that's in that song is just... Uh, it's like, every time you think you're getting by, every time that the oceans will run dry. I don't know. Like, it's just really catchy to me, and... Um, yeah, every now and again, somebody will write a pop hook that just gets caught in your ear and you can't get it out. Um, and the song was very much that for me. First time I heard this, I thought they were making fun of Bon Jovi. Oh, really? Because of the talk box. Every time oh, you hear yeah, the talk yeah, the box, bo- oh, you're either yeah. making fun of Peter Frampton or you're making fun of Bowie. Right. <laughs> Not Bowie, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, yeah. Um, yeah, I could hear that for sure. Um, but yeah, the hook on this song is just infectious. and um, It's weird, too, like being a metalhead because it's not like... It's not like I listen to that much music just so that I'm like, oh my god, I gotta hear the hooks, you know. This uh, is one of the exceptions. But it has them, yeah, and and that's cool. And you get the last story ever, you get Phantasmagore on here. Unfortunately, the last story ever, um, or not last story, like literally the next three songs, I mean, you have, you have to listen to three pop rock songs to get to the title track, Phantasmagore. And let me tell you, Phantasmagore is the old Dead Z again. Like, very much so. We've been hiding this whole There's time. There's a drop on that song. Like, you get past the intro, which it just sounds kind of like a poppy intro or whatever. And then the guitar slammed down, like, 
bone crunchingly hard and the keyboard the thick keyboard comes in and again we're back in commencement more so than we were on better than you know yeah yeah oh yeah more so i think you know like just the lyrics go back to kind of that mindset that was in because like from my understanding like most of the lyrics in on commencement were like basically like magic basically like, you know it's like almost like black magic you know you know phantasmagore the song really like really kind of follows in the footsteps there um you know it's like beneath the earth still lies phantasmic emerald paradises you know like just that weird kind of shit you know and uh and i think that's really 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 cool and i wish there was more of it <laughs> on this record i think I think the lyrics are a little generic for the most part on this record. And so with the exception of like really just the song Phantasmagore and maybe like the Sands of Time or Time, sorry, it's called just called Time. Um, I think those songs kind of have those old school type lyrics, but everything else just seems very kind of melodramatic and a little bit like more generic. You summed up my thoughts entirely. I wish there was more. Yeah, I mean, it's not a terrible record, and I wouldn't have minded hearing another one, but, I mean, I think for at least the past decade, the band's essentially been gone. Oh, yeah. They've they've been permanent hiatus since at least 2008. Yeah. There was a little bit of video that appeared on YouTube in the infancy of YouTube where they were in the studio writing new music, and they just haven't done anything. And they're an example of one of those bands that's very frustrating. I would say this, though. If you consider Commencement to be a greatest hits, which it is, then I think that means Phantasmagore is the best record that's ever been released by the band. Because uh, if I don't have the independent, but I've listened to it. I don't have any of the EPs. But as a whole, Commencement is the better product. If you're going to sit down and listen to one hour of something, you need to listen to Commencement. Or Discography Discussion Podcast. Well, you should be listening to Discography Discussion <laughs> Podcast. Right. No, I know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, Phantasmagore is a, is a good record, but it almost seems like like it should have built up to Commencement. And I've always felt this way about these records is that it, it sounds to me, just by listening to it... You think they're backwards? I think they are. Like, um... I know they're not, like, not really, but uh, just by the way they sound, it sounds like they were kind of building up to commencement. <laughs> but instead, it's it's released in this order, which is very, very strange to me. Well, final thoughts on Deadsy. I uh, love Deadsy. Would love to hear another Deadsy album. Um, and I, 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 w- I do have to say this, that I think that... I think a lot of the people that checked out Deadsy back in the day... Um, or even people that are checking Deadsy out for the first time now, I think context really matters and understanding kind of what you're getting maybe uh, before, you know, not just going off of the one single, but like taking a real sampling of the album, listening to five or six tracks consecutively, you know, um, is really going to tell you whether or not this is your cup of tea. Um, I think if you're into, if you're looking for heavy shit, you kind of have to look somewhere else. I don't know, dude. I think these are pretty heavy records. Uh, I don't think I don't think uh, Phantasmagore is at all, but I think Commencement is. For the Depeche Mode fan, for the '80s pop synth fan, 
for the fan of David Bowie for... Well, I'll throw a space rock in. For that person, Deadsy is the shit. You need to listen to Deadsy. I would give insurmountable amounts of money if I could to get one more song out of Deadsy because I love me some Deadsy. And I think everybody should listen to Deadsy. And everybody needs commencement. And that's what I think. So tell me about what we got coming up, because I know we're going to be talking to some people, and I yeah, know we so got Industrial was, December. Yeah, so this was a short episode, obviously, and um, you know we just wanted to throw this out there to have something. We didn't do a podcast last week because we were doing the Extra Life 24-hour gaming, mar- 24-hour gaming marathon, and uh, so we didn't really have a chance to record a podcast during that. But um, you know, coming up uh, probably later this week, I would imagine... Uh, we will be talking about Living Sacrifice with Jason Wisdom of Death Therapy. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. How yeah, do we so, pull that off? <laughs> uh, just just sent him a message and asked him if he wanted to talk, and he was like, okay. So that's that's what happened. That's the big story. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll be catching up with him later. It'll be awesome. And then, um, you know, at, at the week after that, uh, we have uh, been talking to the guys from the Roach Coach podcast, which... If you haven't heard of Roach Coach, you need to check it out. If you're a if you're a new metal fan, um, should be right up your alley. Um, they they review new metal albums, and uh, you know they they break down one uh, one album per episode and determine whether or not it's uh, it's worthy of being considered. You know, part of the as they call it the new metal canon, and uh, so yeah, it's really cool to check out and. Um, you know, one of the things that we that I'd wanted to talk to them about um, having them on the show uh, is you know just to kind of talk, compare and contrast. I think a little bit our uh, review reviewing styles. You know uh, how they they kind of micro review and uh, you know one album per episode, whereas uh, ours is a little bit more macro in the sense that we we kind of cover a whole uh, career. So it should be interesting to to see how that turns out. I'm I'm really excited about it. Tell me about Industrial December. Yeah, so Industrial December, we decided that we really haven't really talked about a lot of industrial bands or groups or anything. So, you know, um, we decided to dedicate an entire month to the uh, genre of industrial music. So uh, you can definitely hear... uh, hear everything we've got going on for that. Now, there is one band that we will be covering in December that is not industrial, and it'll be Project 86 for our Christmas special. I'm glad I get the opportunity to talk about the Project 86 Christmas records on yes. Christmas. Yeah, that'll be, a, that'll be a ton of fun. So When Christmas is near. Yeah, it's really cool. They've got a really, they have a really good cover of uh, Mr. Grinch. And uh, yeah, um, a couple other things that have been going on with me, uh, like, well, just really one big thing. Uh, Zayo has a new EP out called uh pyrrhic victory it's five songs and it will beat your ass can i put the picture up on twitter which one no 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 no. oh come on no i already posted it on facebook doesn't need to be all everywhere so uh yeah (laughs) it's a picture of my daughter holding my zayo dan has a picture of the prettiest zayo fan ever right that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) so yeah the pyrrhic victory by zayo you really need to go out you need to buy it um, I actually got the limited edition red vinyl, uh, and according to the band's website, they are uh, almost out of those. So 
you should jump on that like right right away <laughs> well as i finish off this elysian space dust and this hybrid coffee double espresso i'm going to say this has been episode 37 of discography discussion thank you for listening you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at discuss metal Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. (laughs) 